Hello everyone and welcome. I'm Fernando Florido, a GP in the United Kingdom. Today we're reviewing the various NICE guidelines on contraception, focusing on the oral contraception only. I have summarized the guidance from a primary care perspective and I have put the relevant links in the episode description. Please note that this is my interpretation of the guidelines, not medical advice. Always use your clinical judgment when treating your patients. If you prefer a video format, there's also a YouTube version of these episodes. The link is in the episode description. Covering contraception in general is a vast and challenging task. I must admit that there were moments when I felt overwhelmed as condensing all the necessary information into a concise video seemed nearly impossible, even when focusing solely on oral hormonal contraception. The NICE guidance can be extremely complex depending on factors such as the woman's place in her hormonal cycle or whether unprotected sexual intercourse had occurred at a particular time. In situations where complexity became unmanageable, I made an effort to simplify the advice while ensuring that the desired contraceptive effect was maintained. So with that said, let's dive in. The video consists of three parts, an assessment of suitability for oral contraception, information about the combined oral contraceptive and details about the progesterone-only pill. Let's start with the assessment. How should we start the assessment of a woman requesting oral contraception? Well, we will exclude pregnancy, we will take a history and clinical examination, we will assess the risk of sexually transmitted infections, and we will assess for sexual abuse, rape and non-consensual sex, especially in vulnerable women. Remember that the legal age of consent to sexual activity is 16 years in the UK and that sexual activity under this age is an offence, even if consensual. If a girl younger than 16 years of age requests contraception without parental consent, she should be assessed for criteria that she is competent to make this decision. In England and Wales, these are the Fraser criteria, but in different jurisdictions the advice will be different. I have not covered this here, and if you come across such a situation, I would advise you to seek medical legal advice. We are now going to look at what methods of contraception are suitable for women with certain comorbidities. These sections cover the UK medical eligibility criteria for hormonal contraception. And we will say that all oral hormonal contraception, that is the combined oral contraceptive and the progesterone-only pill, can be used in the following cases past or current pelvic inflammatory disease, history of gestational diabetes or diabetes with no vascular disease, a BMI of less than 35, non-migrainous headaches, migraine without aura, but if migraine without aura develops in a woman already using a combined oral contraceptive, we should stop it and give an alternative. Fibroids, previous ectopic pregnancy and menorrhagia but obviously women with unexplained vaginal bleeding should be investigated, and perimenopausal women, although we will need to consider possible risk factors. The progesterone-only pill can be used, but the combined oral contraceptive is not recommended in the following cases. Diabetes with nephropathy, retinopathy, neuropathy or other vascular disease, migraine with aura or with a history of it, multiple risk factors for cardiovascular disease, a BMI of 35 or more, hypertension even if it is adequately controlled, 
Current or history of venous thromboembolic disease, major surgery with prolonged immobilization, family history of venous thromboembolic disease in first degree relative younger than 45 years of age, immobility for any reason and age 35 or older and a smoker or stopped smoking less than one year ago. In respect of postpartum and breastfeeding, the progesterone-only pill can be used from day one. The combined oral contraceptive can be used from six weeks. Before six weeks, we should never use the combined oral contraceptive in the first three weeks. We will not use the combined oral contraceptive before six weeks if the woman is breastfeeding or if there are risks for venous thromboembolic disease. But the combined oral contraceptive can be used from three weeks to six weeks if the woman is not breastfeeding and there are no risk factors for venous thromboembolic disease. In respect of girls under the age of 18, we will avoid regular hormonal contraception in non-menstruating girls and we will recommend barrier methods for the prevention of sexually transmitted infections. Finally, in respect of the progesterone-only pill, we will check that the cervical screening is up to date and we will check the additional considerations for drosperidone, like not to be used in renal failure, to be avoided in hyperkalemia or at risk of developing it, and to have use and ease and blood pressure monitored depending on risk factors. How should we follow up women on oral contraception, both the combined oral contraceptive and the progesterone-only pill? We should do a review three months after the first prescription and annually thereafter. At follow-up, we will check the blood pressure and BMI, ask about headaches, especially migraine, assess for new risk factors, address any issues or adverse effects, check the patient's knowledge and understanding and remind about possible drug interactions and advise about long-acting reversible contraception. We should stop the combined oral contraceptive at 50 years of age and switch to an alternative such as the progesterone-only pill. Before looking at the combined oral contraceptive and the progesterone-only pill separately, let's look at how we would manage a patient taking oral contraception who develops unscheduled bleeding. We need to know that unscheduled bleeding is common in the first three months of starting the combined oral contraceptive and in women taking the progesterone-only pill. We will always need to check for missed pills, drug interactions and vomiting and diarrhea, sexually transmitted infections and as a minimum we should test for chlamydia, pregnancy and we should do a pregnancy test and gynecological conditions such as cervical or endometrial cancer. We will consider a speculum and pelvic examination if there are concerns and if all is normal the bleeding can be assumed to be caused by the combined oral contraceptive or the progesterone-only pill. If on the combined oral contraceptive and the bleeding does not settle, we will consider a different combined oral contraceptive with a higher dose of estrogen or higher dose of progesterone or different type of progesterone or another form of contraception. If the patient is on the progesterone-only pill, we will advise that although bleeding may settle with time, there is no evidence to indicate who may become aminoreic and who may experience persistent irregular bleeding. If the bleeding is unacceptable to the patient, we will consider changing to a different progesterone-only pill, although there is no evidence that changing improves bleeding, or consider a different type of contraceptive method. We're now going to look at the combined oral contraception. Let's remember that combined oral contraceptives inhibit LH and FSH, which stops ovulation from occurring. 
In addition, the combined oral contraceptive also has contraceptive effects on cervical mucus and endometrium. The usual seven-day break causes vaginal bleeding mimicking menstruation. However, there is no health benefit from this and women can choose to take fewer or no breaks. When used perfectly, there is a 0.3% failure rate within the first year, but in the real world the failure rate can go up to 9%. When can a woman start using a combined oral contraceptive? If the combined oral contraceptive is started on days 1 to 5 in the menstrual cycle, no additional contraception is required unless the woman is starting clearer or swelly. If the woman is starting clearer or swelly on day 1 of the menstrual cycle, then no additional contraception is required. But if the woman is starting clearer or swelly on days 2 to 5 of the menstrual cycle, we should advise a barrier method for the first 9 days in the case of Clara, or the first seven days in the case of Sueli. If the combined oral contraceptive is started at any other time in the menstrual cycle, we will advise a barrier method for the first seven days or nine days in the case of Clara. If pregnancy cannot be excluded and the woman wishes to start hormonal contraception without delay, we will prescribe the combined oral contraceptive and advise a pregnancy test no sooner than three weeks after the last episode of unprotected sexual intercourse. If the woman is starting a combined oral contraceptive after oral emergency contraception, for levonorgestrel we will start the combined oral contraceptive immediately and we will advise a barrier method for the first seven days or nine days if taken clearer. For olipristal we will start the combined oral contraceptive five days after and we will advise a barrier method for this time and the next seven days or nine days if taken clearer. If a woman is switching from another combined oral contraceptive, the combined contraceptive patch or the combined vaginal ring, we will start the combined oral contraceptive on the day after the last active pill, patch or vaginal ring. There is no need to wait for the next menstrual period. No additional contraception is required. If a woman decides to take the usual break before starting the new combined oral contraceptive, we will need to assess the need for additional contraception and emergency contraception. If the woman is switching from a progesterone-only pill except desogestrel or levonorgestrel intrauterine system, we will start the combined oral contraceptive at any time in the menstrual cycle and advise a barrier method for the first seven days or nine days if taken clearer. The advice on how to switch from the trosperidone progesterone-only pill, a progesterone-only implant or a copa intrauterine device can be fairly complex depending on various factors and these patients may very well be managed by family planning clinics, so I will not cover them here. But feel free to check the links in the episode description if you wish to know more. If the woman is amenorrheic but not at risk of being pregnant, we can start the combined oral contraceptive at any time and additional contraception is required for 7 days or 9 days for Clara. If the woman is postpartum, we will advise a barrier method for the first 7 days or 9 days for Clara. If the woman has had a miscarriage or termination of pregnancy, each station is less than 24 weeks if the combined oral contraceptive is started within five days, except for clearer and swelly, which is one day, no additional contraception is required. If the combined oral contraceptive is started at any other time, 
we can use a barrier method for seven days or nine days for Clara. If gestation is 24 weeks or more, we will treat them as if they were postpartum. What types of combined oral contraceptives are available? Combined oral contraceptives contain both an estrogen and progesterone. Combined oral contraceptive preparations differ according to how the doses vary over the menstrual cycle. For example, in monophasic combined oral contraceptives, the amount of estrogen and progesterone in each active tablet is constant throughout the cycle. In phasic combined oral contraceptives, the amount of estrogen and progesterone vary over the cycle. Phasic combined oral contraceptives can be biphasic, triphasic or quadriphasic, depending on the number of sets of active pills. They can also vary depending on the dose of the estrogen. For example, low-strength combined oral contraceptives contain 20 micrograms of ethinyl estradiol, and standard-strength preparations contain 30 to 35 micrograms of ethinyl estradiol in monophasic combined oral contraceptives, and 30 to 40 micrograms in phased preparations. They also vary according to the type of progesterone they contain and the presence or absence of a pill-free interval. Most combined oral contraceptives are packaged as 21 active tablets to allow for a seven-day break every four weeks. However, some products have seven placebo tablets so that a tablet is taken every day without a break. Which combined oral contraceptives should we offer first line? First line options are monophasic preparations containing 30 micrograms of estrogen plus either norethistrone or levonorgestrel. Examples are Loistring 30, Microgynin 30, Ovranet, Levest and Rigavidon. However, any combined oral contraceptive can be offered first line. We can prescribe up to 12 months supply for initiation and continuation of combined oral contraception. And you can check the full availability of brands by looking at the BNF. Let's look at the advice that we should give women taking the combined oral contraceptive. If a woman becomes pregnant while taking the combined oral contraceptive pill and she wishes to continue with the pregnancy, we will stop the pill and explain that there is no evidence of harm if pregnancy occurs whilst on the combined oral contraceptive. What are the advantages and disadvantages associated with combined oral contraception? Advantages are that there is a reduced risk of some cancers, including colorectal, ovarian and endometrial cancer. There is a reduced risk of ovarian cysts and benign ovarian tumours. There is reduced severity of acne in some women and normal fertility returns immediately after stopping the combined oral contraceptive. Combined oral contraceptive may also reduce the risk of benign breast disease and osteoporosis, although the available evidence is conflicting. Disadvantages are that there are less effective and long-acting reversible methods of contraception and that some women experience adverse effects. The most commonly reported adverse effects are nausea and abdominal pain, headache, breast pain or tenderness, menstrual irregularities in up to 20% of users, and other adverse effects include hypertension, changes in lipid metabolism, there's a very small increase in the risk of MI and a twofold increase in risk of stroke, which is greater in at-risk patients. There is an increased risk of venous thromboembolism, but the absolute risk is very low and lower than the risk of venous thromboembolic disease in pregnancy. 
The risk of venous thromboembolism depends on the progestogen component and levonorgestrel, norethisterone and orgestimate have the lowest risk. There is an increased risk of breast and cervical cancer which returns to normal within 10 years after stopping the combined oral contraception. Depression is a known side effect and angioedema may be induced or exacerbated by exogenous estrogens. There is no evidence that combined oral contraception cause weight gain or loss of libido. In addition, cosaprandiol should not be used in hepatic disease and many germans have been associated with saproterone. We also need to be aware of drug interaction and that the effect of combined oral contraception may be reduced with liver enzyme inducing drugs like antibiotics such as rifampicin and rifabutin, antiepileptic drugs, antiretrovirals and St. John's wort. How should we manage them? We should advise not to take products containing St. John's wort. We should always change to an alternative contraceptive method if taking rifampicin or rifabutin. For other liver enzyme inducing drugs, the advice may be more complex depending on the duration of treatment and the type of combined oral contraceptive used. I would recommend that you look up that specific advice depending on the situation. We need to be aware that breakthrough bleeding may indicate low serum ethinylestradiol concentrations. If other causes of bleeding have been excluded, we could increase the dose up to a maximum of 70 micrograms. We will consider the need for emergency contraception if sexual intercourse has taken place while the efficacy of the combined oral contraceptive may have been reduced. To reduce the risk of contraceptive failure, we can recommend either an extended regimen that is using the combined oral contraceptive continuously until breakthrough bleeding occurs for three or four days, or a tricycline regimen with a shortened pill-free interval of three to four days, that is taking three pill packs continuously without a break. But we need to remember that only monophasic 21-day pill packs containing at least 30 micrograms of ethinylestradiol are suitable for these two options. In terms of surgery, we should explain that no precautions are necessary for minor surgery such as varicose vein surgery and tooth extractions, but the combined oral contraceptive should be stopped four weeks before any major surgery, which includes operations lasting more than 30 minutes, all surgery to the legs, or surgery that involves prolonged immobilization of a lower limb, or if emergency surgery or immobilization, such as for a leg fracture, is necessary. The combined oral contraceptive can be then restarted two weeks after full mobilization. Let's now go through what missed pill advice we should give. And these missed pill rules apply to all combined oral contraceptives except Clara and Soeli. If it has been nine completed days or more since the last active pill was taken, we will consider emergency contraception if unprotected sexual intercourse has taken place, and we will advise to take the missed pill as soon as possible and to continue taking the remaining pills at the usual time. We will advise a barrier method until seven consecutive pills have been taken, and we will consider a follow-up pregnancy test. If one pill has been missed, that is, less than 72 hours since the last pill was taken, we will advise that emergency contraception 
and additional contraceptive precautions are not required if there was otherwise consistent correct use. To take the missed pill as soon as possible and to continue taking the remaining pills at the usual time. This may mean taking two pills in 24 hours, the missed pill and then the next one at the usual time. If two to seven pills have been missed, that is 72 hours or more since the last pill in the current pack was taken, we will consider emergency contraception if the missed pills were in week one after the break or if unprotected sexual intercourse has taken place. And we will also consider a follow-up pregnancy test. Emergency contraception is not needed if missed pills are in subsequent weeks, if there was consistent and correct use in the previous seven days. We will advise to take the most recent missed pill as soon as possible. Any earlier missed pills should be ignored. We will advise to continue taking the remaining pills at the usual time. This may mean taking two pills in 24 hours. If there were two or more missed pills in the seven days prior to the break, they should not have a break. We will advise a barrier method until seven consecutive pills have been taken. If more than seven consecutive pills have been missed in any week of pill taking, we will consider emergency contraception and an immediate and follow-up pregnancy tests. We will restart the combined oral contraceptive as a new user and we will advise a barrier method until seven consecutive pills have been taken. What advice should we give a woman who has missed pills on Clara and Sueli? If a pill is taken less than 12 hours late for Clara or 24 hours late for Zoeli, we will advise to take the missed pill immediately, to take further pills at the usual time and that additional contraception is not required. If the pill is taken more than 12 hours late for Clara or 24 hours late for Zoeli, management will depend on the day of the cycle on which it has been missed. This can get quite complicated, so I have not included it here. I recommend that you look it up if you come across this situation. How should vomiting or diarrhea be managed when on the combined oral contraceptive? Well, for all combined oral contraceptives, except Clara and Sueli, if there is vomiting within three hours of taking the pill, another pill should be taken as soon as possible. If vomiting or diarrhea persists for more than 24 hours, we will follow the instructions for missed pills, counting each day of vomiting and or diarrhea as a missed pill. We will advise a barrier method during the illness and for seven days afterwards. And if the illness occurs while taking the last seven pills, we will recommend not to have a break and starting the next cycle immediately. Flocleara and Soeli, if a woman vomits within three to four hours of taking an active pill, then they should take the next tablet as soon as possible. If more than 12 hours elapse for Clara or 24 hours for Soeli, we will follow up the missed pill advice. We're now going to have a look at the progesterone-only pill. The progesterone-only pill has several independent modes of action, including thickening cervical mucus, thereby preventing sperm penetration, delaying ovum transport, inhibiting ovulation and providing an endometrium hostile to implantation. It should be taken daily with no pill-free interval. When used perfectly, the failure rate is 0.3% within the first year, but in the real world, the failure rate can go up to 9%. Any licensed progesterone-only pill may be used first line and we can prescribe 12 months supply 
when initiating or continuing a progesterone-only pill. How should we start a progesterone-only pill except drosperinone? In women with menstrual cycles, we will start on days 1 to 5 and no additional precaution is required. If no possibility of pregnancy and starting at any other time, we will advise a barrier method for two days. If there is a risk of pregnancy and starting at any other time, we will recommend an immediate pregnancy test and a follow-up test no sooner than three weeks after the last episode of unprotected sexual intercourse. We will consider emergency contraception and quick start of the progesterone-only pill, but delay for five days if only pristal emergency contraception was given. We will advise barrier methods for two days. And this applies also to women who are amenorrheic and have had unprotected sexual intercourse in the last 21 days. However, in women who are amenorrheic and have had no unprotected sexual intercourse in the last 21 days, we will do a pregnancy test and we will start the progesterone-only pill and advise the barrier method for two days. The progesterone-only pill can be started at any time after childbirth, including immediately after delivery, regardless of breastfeeding. However, if started up to day 21 postpartum, no additional precaution is required. But after day 21 postpartum, we will ensure that the patient is not pregnant, then start the progesterone-only pill, recommending a barrier method for two days. In women post first or second trimester abortion, the progesterone-only pill should ideally be started on the day or the day after a first or second trimester abortion, but otherwise management is no different to menstruated women. If we start in the progesterone-only pill after oral emergency contraception, we will start the progesterone-only pill immediately if levonorgestrel was given, or five days after taking ulipristal. We will recommend a barrier method for two days, and we will advise the woman to do a pregnancy test no sooner than three weeks after the last episode of unprotected sexual intercourse. How should we switch to the progesterone-only pill except drosperinone from other methods of contraception? If we're switching from combined oral contraceptives, if we're starting on day one or two of the break, then no additional precaution is required. If we're starting on days three to seven of the break, or week one following the break, and there is no risk of pregnancy, then we should advise a barrier method for two days. If we're starting on day three to seven of the break, or week one following the break, but unprotected sexual intercourse has occurred, after that time, we will restart to continue the combined oral contraceptive until seven consecutive pills are taken after the break, then switch. No additional precautions are required. If the combined oral contraceptive cannot be continued, we will start the progesterone-only pill immediately and we will consider the need for emergency contraception and a pregnancy test, as well as recommending a barrier method for two days. If we're starting on weeks two to three of the combined oral contraceptive use, no additional precaution is required, provided that the method has been used consistently and correctly. If we're switching from a progesterone-only pill to another progesterone-only pill, we will start the new progesterone-only pill at any time in the menstrual cycle. If switching to drosperidenone, advise a barrier method for seven days, but for all other progesterone-only pills, no additional precaution is necessary. If we're switching from drosperidenone to a different progesterone-only pill, the guidance is complex, 
depending on when in the cycle the switch takes place. I have not included it here and I recommend that you look this up if considering this option. If we're switching from a progesterone-only injectable to a progesterone-only pill, other than drosperinone, if it is 14 weeks or less since the last injection, then no additional precaution is needed. If it is more than 14 weeks since the last injection and no risk of pregnancy, we will recommend a barrier method for two days. If it is more than 14 weeks since the last injection and there is a risk of pregnancy, then we will consider the need for emergency contraception and a pregnancy test. The advice on how to switch from a progesterone-only implant and intrauterine contraception can be fairly complex depending on various factors and these patients may very well be managed by family planning clinics, so I will not cover them here. But feel free to check the links in the episode description if you wish to know more. The advice above does not include drosperinone. However, if we're given drosperinone, we need to be aware that it needs to be started on day one of the normal menstrual cycle so that no additional precautions are required. Any barrier method advice needs to be for seven days as opposed to two days for other progesterone-only pills. What are the possible risks and adverse effects of progesterone-only pills? Well, menstrual irregularities are common. Other possible risks and adverse effects of the progesterone-only pill include ectopic pregnancy, with the exception of disogestrol, but the absolute risk is lower than if not using contraception. Breast tenderness, which is usually transient, ovarian cysts, which may be persistent, depression and changes in mood and libido, panic attacks with desogestrol pills, headaches and migraines, and weight changes. The breast cancer risk cannot be completely excluded. Any increased risk is likely to be small and to reduce with time after stopping. In terms of cardiovascular disease risk, the progesterone-only pill is generally appropriate for women with cardiac disease and is useful as a bridging method while specialist advice is being sought. Drug interactions of the progesterone-only pill include liver enzyme-inducing drugs such as rifampicin and cavamazepine can reduce the efficacy of progesterone-only pills. Therefore, we will change to an alternative contraceptive method for as long as she is on those drugs and for 28 days after this. If this is not possible and the patient is on short-term treatment, two months or less, we will continue the progesterone-only pill, but we will advise a barrier method while taking those drugs and for 28 days after stopping. We will consider emergency contraception if unprotected sexual intercourse has taken place while the efficacy of the progesterone-only pill may have been reduced. Other examples of liver enzyme-inducing drugs include antibiotics, such as rifampicin and rifabutin, antiepileptics, antiretrovirals, and St. John's wort. Griseofulvin may also reduce the contraceptive effect of progesterone-only pills, and therefore we will recommend an alternative. Lamotrigine may increase plasma levels of progestogen, so we should monitor side effects. Progesterone-only pills may reduce the ability of ulipristal to delay ovulation, and therefore, after ulipristal, the patient should wait 5 days, at least 120 hours, before continuing or starting the progesterone-only pill, with a pregnancy test 21 days later to exclude pregnancy resulting from emergency contraception failure. 
we should recommend additional contraception until the progesterone only pill is started and for 48 hours after, that is for a week after Ulipristal. If a woman is found to be pregnant while using the progesterone only pill and she wishes to continue with the pregnancy, we will stop the progesterone only pill and we will explain that there is no evidence of harm if pregnancy occurs while taking the progesterone only pill and we will be alert to the possibility of an ectopic pregnancy. Let's look at the missed pill advice for the progesterone-only pill. A pill is missed if the patient is 12 hours or more late, that is more than 36 hours since the last pill, if on the desogestrel pill, 24 hours or more late, that is 48 hours or more since the last pill, if on the drosperinone pill, or more than 3 hours late, that is more than 27 hours, since taking the last pill, if on any other progesterone-only pill. If a patient has missed a pill, we will advise to take a pill as soon as possible. If more than one pill has been missed, only one should be taken. To take the next pill at the normal time, this may mean taking two pills in 24 hours, that is the missed pill, and the next one at the usual time. To use a barrier method for seven days, if taking drosperinone, or two days for all other progesterone-only pills. We will consider prescribing emergency contraception if unprotected sexual intercourse has taken place after the missed pill and within 48 hours of restarting the progesterone-only pill. For drosperinone, we will consider prescribing emergency contraception in wider circumstances, and I recommend that you look up the details in this case, if you need to. Let's now look at the information and advice that we should give in the event of vomiting and diarrhea. If there is vomiting within two hours of pill taking, another pill should be taken as soon as possible. If the subsequent pill is taken more than three hours late, or 12 hours late for desogestrel, or 24 hours late for drosperinone, we will advise the missed pill rules. If vomiting continues or very severe watery diarrhea develops, we will advise the missed pill rules, counting each day of vomiting and or diarrhea as a missed pill, and use the barrier method during the illness and for 48 hours afterwards. How long should the progesterone-only pill be used for? If a woman aged over 50 years of age with amenorrhea wishes to stop contraception before the age of 55, we will check FSH levels on two occasions, with an interval of six weeks between tests. If both FSH levels are more than 30, the progesterone-only pill can be discontinued after a further year. If the FSH level is in the premenopausal range, we will continue the progesterone-only pill and recheck the FSH level after one year. Once a woman reaches 55 years of age, contraception can be stopped even if she's still experiencing menstrual bleeding. However, if a woman aged 55 years or over does not wish to stop any particular method, consider continuing the method provided individual benefits and risks are assessed and discussed with the patient. The progesterone-only pill can be used concurrently with hormone replacement therapy, or HRT, to provide effective contraception but it should not be relied on as the progestogen component of HRT. In conclusion, the management of oral contraception requires a comprehensive approach and it can become very complex. Please keep in mind that this is only a summary and my interpretation of the guidelines. 
we have come to the end of this episode. I hope that you have found it useful. Thank you for listening and goodbye.